Hi guys, welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I'm Jennifer and this is episode 54. Update. Well, as I told you last week, the puppies would probably be gone uh, by the time I recorded the next episode and they are um, Emma. Uh, I told you she was being adopted. So she went to her new home and little Eeyore went to a different foster home and they are probably probably going to end up adopting him. I dropped both Emma and Eeyore off at their uh, new place and um, the family that Eeyore is probably going to go to, they're so sweet and they already have two older pits that are super chill and super well behaved and I think he would be a great fit in that family so it was hard to say goodbye <laughs> definitely was hard um I didn't get as emotional as I thought I would but you know I I gave them hugs I gave them kisses I told them what a great life they were gonna have and you know and then I came home to my very very dirty <laughs> but quiet house and then I spent the next two days you know like pretty much disinfecting every <laughs> surface of my house because as I've said I don't think that there was any area of my floor that didn't have puppy pee or poop on it at one time or another so um, as soon as I got back from dropping them off that was the first thing I did I sort of you know all of the rugs, all the towels, all of the everything that I had put been putting on my floors to try to protect it. I went through loads of laundry and then, you know, pulled out my spin bucket and my spin mop and scrubbed the floors because they were filthy. Um, yeah. So now it's back to just uh, Oliver and me. It's very quiet and that's okay. I, I'm learning to appreciate the quiet. <laughs> and with the puppies gone, I actually was able to watch a lot of TV this week. Um, I watched the new season of uh, Grace, Grace and Frankie on Netflix. I love that show. I have been watching it from the beginning. I have always loved Lily Tomlin. Um, I haven't always been the biggest fan of Jane Fonda. But they are both so good in this. In fact, the entire cast is so good in this show. Um, there are four episodes out now. The remaining episodes will come out next year. And that will be the final episodes because the show is ending. I'm sorry to see it end. I also watched uh, the new Twilight Zone on Paramount+. Plus. This is a redo of the classic show. It's um, produced by Jordan Peele, who also hosts and narrates it, like Rod Serling used to do in the original. It's good. I always loved The Twilight Zone when I was a kid. I, you know, I, it was scary, but not too scary. And then, of course, because I was watching the new one, there's two seasons of the new one. They're both available on Paramount+. Plus. I watched both of them you know there's like some episodes that are better than others but overall it was it was pretty good series but because I was watching the new one Paramount Plus also offers 
the original Twilight Zone. So I've been watching those. I'm kind of skipping through those. It's funny to realize how much you remember because I was really little watching the original Twilight Zone. I mean, even then it was already in reruns. I'm not that old, guys. But, you know, there were certain episodes that stuck with me. And I just rewatched one of those. Um, it was the one with Burgess Meredith, and I cannot remember what it was called. But anyway, it was like, all he wanted was to be able to, to have time to read, and he just couldn't. It was like his biggest complaint, you know, he just longed to have time to read. And then in the end, he kind of ends up in this sort of desolate area surrounded by books. And it's like his own personal heaven, like he has sacrificed, given away, turned away from everything else in his life, family, friends, job. And he's in his personal heaven, surrounded by books. And then the last scene of the episode, he breaks his glasses. And even as a kid, I remember like feeling that in my soul, like, oh, just that crushing blow. And I felt that again, watching it as an adult. So many of those um, episodes kind of ended in that sort of um, uh, ironic way, you know, like you, you long for something, and you finally get it. And it's kind of like that classic, be careful what you wish for type of situation. I also started watching Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu. The first three episodes are out. I'm not even sure why I'm watching this. I think because I loved The White Lotus so much. Um, that was on HBO Max. I loved it so much. And that one, guys, remember I told you, I would tell you if it got to the point where I was not liking it, it never happened. All three episodes of The White Lotus are so good. I know there's been some controversy about the ending. I personally did not have a problem with it. I thought it was a great ending. Um, but Nine Perfect Strangers, I read the book. I don't remember particularly loving the book. I remember sort of reading it, you know, just thinking like, oh, God, you know, these poor entitled rich people. But I, I thought or I hoped that the series might be somehow better purely based on the cast. It's Nicole Kidman, Melissa McCarthy, Regina King. It's a great cast all the way around, but so far, pretty much having the same reaction to the series that I had to the book, which is just kind of like, nah. So I don't know if I'll continue watching it. I had high hopes for it. Um, so far, it's not living up to them. Something that I am listening to and loving is a podcast. It's not new. It's new to me. Um, I found it on accident this week. It's called Tig and Cheryl True Story. It's Tig Nataro and Cheryl Hines talking about documentaries. It is so funny. They are so funny together. They're kind of like the perfect match because Cheryl Hines is kind of like this sunny, upbeat, um, friendly type of humor. And then you have Tig, who's like the total like <laughs> dark, um, dry, sort of sardonic humor. They're so good together. And the documentaries so far that I've been listening to, I'm familiar with them, mostly because 
They've been talked about on other podcasts. I've told you guys about the True Crime Obsessed podcast that I love. This Tig and Cheryl true story covers a lot of the same documentaries, but in a totally different way. It is so good. It started in September 2020. I think there's about 50 episodes out already, and I think I'm probably through maybe a third of them. Every single one of them I laugh at, but their their take, um, they did a two-part episode on The Vow. So funny. <laughs> there is a part at the end of the first episode where Tig goes on a tangent about Johnny Depp that literally had me crying. I was, <laughs> I was laughing so hard. So I highly recommend that podcast. All right, guys, now that you're all caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So this week, I've been thinking about the importance of words, what we say, which words we choose, how we say them, How many times have you heard, it's not what you say, it's how you say it? I used to say this to my ex-husband all the time because sometimes he would say something in a way that I thought was insensitive and it would hurt my feelings. So I would say, it wasn't what you said that hurt me, it was how you said it. But that wasn't true at all. It was what he said that hurt me. No sugar-coated way of saying it would have made it hurt any less. Like, maybe I made dinner, and he wasn't crazy about it. And he says, that was awful. Don't ever make that again. And I get my feelings hurt by it because I went to the effort of making dinner for us, and what he said didn't factor in the possibility of me feeling unappreciated. When in fact, it wouldn't have mattered how he said it. Why? Because words matter. To paraphrase Frank Outlaw, thoughts become words and words become actions. When you say something like, it's not what you said, it's how you said it, it gives an excuse to both the speaker and the receiver. It tells the speaker, just say it differently next time. And it allows the receiver to try to rationalize their intent. You're telling the speaker what they said was okay, even if it wasn't. But you're also giving yourself an excuse so you don't seem so overly sensitive in your reaction. If only they would have just said it differently, you wouldn't have had to react that way. And this is not just when someone may be saying something potentially hurtful. Of course, you can't always control how someone is going to react to something you say. But you do have a responsibility to be aware of the words you use. Recently, I had someone I love reach out for some advice. They were going through something hard and they knew that I had already gone through it. And so they reached out to me. And I could have just let them cry and complain and get it all out. Normally, I would have. But in this situation, I knew there wasn't time for that. Not now, anyway. They had to get strong, and they had to get strong quickly. So I didn't waste time coddling them. I got right to the hard truth. I told them, 
You need to get strong because it's going to get harder before it gets easier. And I know that probably wasn't what they were expecting to hear. And maybe they thought it wasn't what they needed to hear in that moment. But it was the truth. Luckily, because we love each other, we understood that I was saying that because I love them. I didn't want them to be unprepared for what I knew was coming next. When you see someone about to step off of a curb, there is no time to explain the physics of car versus human. You just simply scream stop and hope that they heed your warning. And this isn't just about the words we use with others. Studies have shown that the words we use on ourselves can have as strong of an impact. The words we use when describing ourselves can literally change our neural pathways. Negative language will foster a negative mindset, while positive words will have the opposite effect. So using this simple example, years ago, I remember I was having a discussion with a friend, a friend who used to always use love ya. That's what they would say. It didn't matter who they were saying it to. And I remember telling them there is a difference between love ya and I love you. And we had a debate about it because for them, it was more about the intent of the words instead of the words themselves. This is kind of a huge pet peeve of mine. And, and yes, I will die on this hill if I have to. Love ya can be said to anyone, even a stranger, if they've done something you really appreciate. It's a toss away. But love you or I love you expresses genuine feelings of affection for someone. To me, love ya feels like a BS shortcut. It's a way of saying something you might mean, but without all the messy commitment and connotations of actual love for someone. As humans, words are all we have to convey our thoughts and feelings. And I know some of you may be thinking that that's not exactly true. Maybe you're saying we have art and music and actions that can also convey what we are thinking and feeling. And that's true, but only to a certain extent. We still need words to interpret all of those. The power of words or the art of communicating with words has definitely been on the decline for decades. First by email and now even more because of texting. Texting. Email ruined a lot of my generation. We had to find a way to communicate in writing to people who didn't know us. You know, they didn't know our personality. So our word choices became more and more generic. Then texting took that from generic to some weird shorthand version of communicating. To this day, I can get a text from someone who I've known for decades and still kind of wonder what the meaning of the text was, you know? This isn't necessarily made easier by face-to-face interactions. How many times have you been leaving a store and you heard the clerk say, have a good one? A good what? It's not any easier or faster to say, have a good day over have a good one. 
I love words. I always have. I'm fascinated by how many different ways something can be said. Did you know, according to Merriam-Webster, there are 30 different ways to say delicious, depending on the context in the audience. But language changes, and what was once acceptable may no longer be. You may have heard recently that Mike Richards, the man who was chosen to replace Alex Trebek as the host of Jeopardy, has stepped down because of some controversial things he said in the past. The comments were made nearly a decade ago while on a podcast that he had at the time. I read the comments, and yes, they were insensitive, and he does come across as kind of a jerk. But he certainly wasn't the only person making those types of comments then. But when viewed through today's language, they come off as insensitive. But from then until now, language and what is currently considered acceptable has changed. I have certainly used words in the past that are no longer considered acceptable. I'm Asian. As a kid, I used to describe myself using that word that is no longer acceptable for people, but is okay to use when describing things like rugs. I didn't even know this word had become offensive or when it became offensive. My sister told me about a decade ago that that's a word we're not supposed to use anymore. I haven't used it since then, but if someone went back into my past, they could say, I've heard her say that word. I try to stay aware and current on acceptable language, but I'm also a big believer of context. I used to have this boss years ago. It was actually my, my very first corporate job. Prior to that, I had worked in retail or convenience stores or that type of setting. So being in a professional office was new to me. And this guy, my boss, his name was Freddie. He was so sweet. He was so patient with me. He was, you know, like my grandfather in a lot of ways. But like my grandfather, he could be a little rough around the edges. He would call me sweetie or cutie. Or he would ask me things like, how old are you? Or in, uh, I believe it was the interview that I had with him. He wanted, he was curious about my ethnicity as most people seem to be with me. And he asked, what are you? <laughs> These would be considered unacceptable today, would probably get him at least hauled into HR, if not fired. But I knew he wasn't asking inappropriately. He was genuinely interested, and I never took offense. And because of that, I had a really good working relationship with him, and he taught me a lot he took the time to teach me about the company and how things were done. He taught me how to build estimates and submit government bids and basic accounting so that I could track job costs. All things that he didn't have to do because I was basically his secretary. My duties were to answer phones, write letters, and schedule meetings. But he saw a potential in me that I didn't see in myself. I really liked him. And when it was time for me to move on to another company armed with all of the skills he had taught me, the hiring manager told me that he wrote such a nice recommendation letter for me 
that they basically had no choice but to hire me. Now, I work with a bunch of guys, some of whom aren't always the most politically correct. Based on what I know about them, I usually make the choice to not be offended. Most of the time, it's something harmless, but I also know where to draw the line. And if they say something that does offend me, I'll tell them. They'll apologize, and it's over. I'm never going to be one of those people who want someone to change who they really are when they're around me. I always want to know exactly who a person is. In this way, politically correct language is a double-edged sword because it allows people to hide who they really are, saving their true feelings for when they're with like-minded people. Guys, that's how hate groups get started. I would much rather someone show me who they are, uncensored, and maybe we won't agree, but at least it will be a more honest exchange. I have a friend who, no matter what, when I ask their opinion, they tell me the truth. Sometimes it's not always nice or even delicate, but it's always honest. And this took me a while to get used to because at first it felt kind of callous. There was one time we were talking and I was feeling a little sorry for myself and they said something to me. They made an observation about my current situation that was so spot on, but said it in a way that was really straightforward, very direct, very not what I'm used to when it comes to conversations with my friends. It wasn't quite a slap in the face, but it definitely got my attention. And my first, my first instinct was I wanted to say, uh, hey, jerk, you just hurt my feelings. But what, what was said was so true that I didn't want to diminish the impact because I was feeling selfish about it. So I just accepted it as it was given, the truth I had asked for. Afterwards, I realized that the reason we are such good friends is because we do tell each other the truth without fear of offending each other. And that has led to this really honest friendship, one where I feel safe. And it's really special to me because it's the only friendship that I have like that. There's a tremendous need for people to be more thoughtful and careful with their words, especially today. Emails, texts, social media posts tend to be shorter and quicker, and in many cases, delivered without much thought as to the impact of the message and the words. As soon as words are spoken or written and received, it's too late to take them back. Do you know how many times I have either said something out of anger or frustration, and even as the words are leaving my mouth, I wish I could just grab them and stuff them back in. But you can't. Once they're said, that's it. And then all I'd be left with is these feelings of embarrassment and shame. And I hate that feeling. At least if you post it, you can always delete it and pray no one screenshot it while it was up. It's important to remember that 
Most conflicts can be avoided or minimalized, mi minimized with an effective conversation. Being aware of the words you use may not come naturally, but it is a skill that can be learned through education and practice. Some ways to start controlling your words are, when in doubt about what to say, don't say anything. It's okay to not let every thought or opinion come flying out of your mouth. Learn from me. Don't speak out of anger or bitterness, but if you do, apologize. And don't justify. Just apologize sincerely and as often as needed. Recently, I was reading an article written by a popular essayist, and he was talking about how he chooses the words he uses in his essays. In some ways, it was everything you'd expect. You know, he uses words that are relatable, that will create a connection to the reader. But something that I hadn't considered is that he said he does not use words, spoken or written, in private that he wouldn't use in public because he has this fear that he will become comfortable with using them and they will naturally work their way into his public vocabulary. He also doesn't spend time with people who use words he finds unacceptable for the same reason. He doesn't want to become complacent in their usage. I recently chose to stop listening to a podcast that I really liked because they said something that was intended to be funny, but I just found it offensive and hurtful. I didn't start a movement. I didn't post about my outrage on Facebook. I just unfollowed the podcast and deleted it from my library. Language is constantly evolving, and it is our responsibility to keep up with what is acceptable today. But it is just as important to draw your boundaries on what is acceptable to you. Because language is always changing, I often ask myself if it's fair to judge the words of someone used years ago through today's acceptable lens. I don't think that it is. Remember a few weeks ago when I told you I had been re-watching Desperate Housewives? Fifteen years after its debut, it did not hold up well. But in 2004, those words were not only acceptable, they were so mainstream they were said on a network primetime show. Going back to the Jeopardy host that, well, almost Jeopardy host, what he said wasn't great. But he certainly wasn't the only person saying those things at that time. And that's not me defending him. But I think it's important to remember that it was a different time. Can anyone say they haven't said something in their past that would be considered offensive today? I certainly have. I think we all collectively need to be careful about this. Allow people to live by the words of Maya Angelou. Do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. Bottom line, the words we choose do matter. We use words to build relationships, to express how we feel about an issue, and yes, sometimes to hurt another person. Even if I don't like to admit it, I used words for all of those reasons. I love to build relationships with other people, to share my views and opinions on what's happening in our world. And there are times that I've said things with the intention of putting someone down or hurting them. But we need words. 
for better or worse. We just need to use them better. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks for coming back for episode 54. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, My So-Called Midlife Podcast, and like the Facebook page, My So-Called Midlife Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at JennyJoy316. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, and then tell them to listen. Second part, that's the important part. If you have questions or topic suggestions, you can email me at my so-called midlife podcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Until next time, love you. Bye.